Hi, and welcome to EcoGal, the Curious Consumer. I'm Ashley. Today in the EcoGal studio with me is Seema Prasad. Hello, Seema. Hello, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Mm, Thanks for being here. So I've asked you on because you and I know each other, and we're both from Seattle. I love that. Two Pacific Northwesterners in this landlocked state of Tennessee. And, um, and that you grew up um, being, you know, having a lot of sustainable practices in your life, including composting is what I remember. And that you have a restaurant here in Nashville. And in the process of um, wanting to be sustainable and composting, you discovered that like industrial compost was not going to be enough. And you started looking into other options and discovered the anaerobic digesters. And so I've had a lot of people ask me lately, what is this? You know, what, you know, why, why is this valuable? Should we be looking at it? I don't really understand what it is. And so as you really have become an expert and I'll let you tell your, your story in a moment um, is I'd like to really help people understand this better because I think it's a really interesting option that we should be looking at here in the United States. So with that, um, why don't you you know, share how it is that you did come to become an expert in this area. And then we can kind of get into breaking that down and understanding it better. Sounds great. Well, thank you again for having me and highlighting this topic that I think is very valuable for all communities um, Mm. in the West and across the world. Um, We, especially in the U.S., produce a significant amount of waste that we can categorize as organics. My restaurant is where I see it the most. And other restaurants, hospitality, um, medical, like hospitals, um, schools. I mean, we're, we're producing significant amounts of food waste, but also organics waste can be found in communities and maybe even manufacturing, food manufacturing. Uh, and where this waste goes uh, currently is mostly a landfill. Uh, there are other options we have seen communities participate in and infrastructure they've built in order to manage that waste very wisely and cleanly and safely. Um, When I looked to compost for my restaurant um, 15 years ago when we were beginning, there really wasn't an option. Um, I I composted at the farm where we farmed for the restaurant and that worked for us. Now, if we're looking at how to deal with this for a city, Hmm. even Tennessee where there's so much land, there's not enough land ratio to amount of organics waste we produce to process that cleanly and responsibly. So open farm composting, um, what they call open windrows, or even aerated static piles, these other great methods for composting, which very much have their place, mm-hmm. just can't handle the volume which we produce. So I started to look to other municipalities in the US, which at the time there were very few, that were composting on a mass scale. And when I when I called those municipalities, um, primarily the um, public works director for San Francisco, um, he first asked me where I was from again, <laughs> <laughs> why I was calling. And then he, he directed me to Europe. And that is where this has been happening for decades, now almost, almost four decades, very efficiently, um, very cleanly. And, and they're, they're quite organized about it. So dry anaerobic digestion or just anaerobic digestion um, is the process which most municipalities use in order to process a large amount of organics waste in a clean, safe, and efficient manner. Now, anaerobic digestion, 
that is digesting. So we'll call it like processing slash digesting, same kind of term mm-hmm. in this processes all this organics waste in a very small footprint in a, an anaerobic environment. So absent of air. Mm-hmm. So basically you're mimicking what a landfill does. It, you put, you know, food waste, organics waste in a landfill, you cover it. It breaks down anaerobically. Now, the trouble, though, with a landfill, you don't get to control where you get that liquid compost that's being made over decades, that um, solid compost and all the gas that comes out. You can kind of capture that gas in landfills and you see that, which is fabulous. But in a digester facility, you have full control over all those processes. So you're go- you're taking all this waste in, you're putting it through effectively like a tube. Think of it as a torpedo and it's a push pop from one end to the other. So you're pushing it through and in about 21 days from start to finish, this organics waste, which can also be some yard waste, manufacturing waste, all of it put together in a slurry, produces three outputs. We have liquid, that's liquid compost that can be applied to farms, golf courses, um, gardens, solid, solid compost, which we all know and can purchase in bags, and gas. So that methane gas and the CO2 that is released out of a landfill, which is a very concentrated greenhouse gas and goes into our atmosphere, can otherwise be captured in a digester facility. This gas is made into renewable natural gas and we can use it as humans instead of petroleum. So it's this amazing, all of our trash, we'll just call it our trash, is this amazing resource to produce Mm. three renewable products that we use in our community and we value. It just seems like a (laughs) no-brainer. I present this to fifth graders. (laughs) I know, it's like, well, that's just so obvious. I mean, especially, you know, American be like so, you know, capitalist. It's like, wouldn't you want to like get your greatest return on investment? And to me, this just seems like, wow, you get these three renewable products that you can actually utilize. So I'm curious to know is, you know, is it just because we're not familiar with things or with this particular process? Or is there something? Is there another reason why this has not started to become more um, commonplace? Yes, there are a couple of reasons. Um, Of course, it is new to many people and they would like to wrap their head around the the benefits of it and understand it fully before you would embark on building a facility. But here we have a different cost structure for how we deal with our waste, in especially middle America. You're seeing these happen down the coastlines, much more so, especially where land is more sparse. You don't have all the land to create a new landfill Hmm. or you truly just value the environmental consequences of your actions. And it's maybe people are more aware or they, they value that more. We are seeing it happen in the U.S. However, you see it happen where it costs the same to throw things in the trash, just throw something away mm-hmm. would to process this waste. So the cost to process this is, you know, about a hundred dollars a ton. And if you are as a municipality only charging $30 per ton to throw away your trash, 
well, then there's not an opportunity for a business to be had. So at which point a community charges the same to throw something in the trash as they do to embark on a responsible or engage in a responsible, more um, higher return on your investment activity to process waste, then it's not a, it's not a viable piece of infrastructure for a community to invest in. However, so working in sustainability, I come up, I come up on this a lot because it seems that we keep looking at the front end of it. And what we're missing is the back end. Like actually it may cost more upfront, but in the end it is far less and a greater return on the investment and, you know, and better for humans and the environment, right? Because we are seeing there is a cost in the way that we've been doing things. And we're seeing it with the climate change that is occurring right now. And this does have a direct implication into that. And right with, with all the methane and, and um, that is off being off put from this. Correct. Correct. I mean, if we are looking at the triple bottom line, if we are looking at the true cost of mm-hmm. waste, then that cost should be hundreds of dollars per ton. We are polluting communities mm-hmm. where much higher incidence of cancer for everyone that lives around a landfill. Right. The groundwater is polluted. The the air is polluted. Um, the birds, the what we call vectors in a waste facility, birds, rats, flies are at a significant higher concentration. It is not an area someone wants to live around. Mm, right. And the people that do live there are those that are more economically disadvantaged. So we're, you know, mm. overall, just not doing something well and right. Yes. Does it really, in the end, cost less to, to build a digester facility and produce or process our waste in this regard? Yes. Does a community need to value that full picture economically for the long term of its community? Yes, but we need, um, we're a little far away from that right now. Wow. So it's really, um, it's like a, it's like a social uh, justice issue as well, because we are doing this in areas where. um, Economically disadvantaged. Like people that are not making the same income and, and that's where they can afford to live and they should still live in a safe, clean area. That's Absolutely. Not, it's, I mean, it, it can be a smaller home, not as expensive of a home, but it should still be a safe place to live and a clean place to live from the decisions that the community makes. Absolutely. So, so can you step back a little bit and just uh, share with us how you did become like an expert because we kind of missed that piece. And I think that's important <laughs> because you really do know what you're talking about. And this has been, I think, eight years in the process or longer. Um, it, yeah, it just turned 11 last or 11. Week. Okay. And um, I've been geeking out on this, we'll say. Um, so in the search for a facility to send our compostable waste from the rest Uh, There wasn't anything 15 years ago to do that. There is now. Um, We send it through Compost Nashville to a facility that does basically what we'll call farm composting, above ground, churning it, not anaerobic, but aerobic. So you're not producing gas, but you are breaking down that organics waste into compost. Fabulous. 
they can only handle so much and definitely not as much as the Nashville hospitality industry puts out with our tourists and hospitals. So, and schools. And grocery stores, right? And grocery stores, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And households. And there's there's a lot in manufacturing. So when I was sent to Europe effectively by these public works administrators through the United States, I learned about anaerobic digestion and you can do dry anaerobic digestion and wet. And that really just is exactly what it sounds. Moisture content level is what where the divide goes. And how efficiently they were operating these facilities. They can be so clean because, you know, we think of waste as just dirty, icky, smelly. No, this waste comes into what looks like a laboratory setting in a warehouse building and the floors are so clean and epoxied and beautiful and everything has air pockets and barriers and biofilters and the waste is processed so efficiently. All of the gas, you can watch how the waste is being processed and you can up the speed if you want to produce a little more gas or a little less, depending on what that waste is. Every batch of waste has a different level of gas it can produce. Um, think of it as the nutrient value. How many how many calories can we get out of it? Um, <clears throat> so I went and, stu- gosh, it's been 11 different facilities in Europe where I have worked as a guest um, in the restaurant industry. We call it a stage. I got to hang with them for a day or two and ask all the questions and be that pesky, you know, two-year-old that said why and why a million times. The um, variety of facilities taught me a lot about what best fits different communities and their feedstock, the type of waste they produce. Uh, What problems can happen? Um, What kind of parts cabinet do you need? What kind of skill level do you need on site in order to keep this moving? Hmm. You don't need a facility to go down for three days and have all that waste stockpile. So how do you manage that? Um, How do the numbers work? How can this facility be financed? You know, that gas, when you collect it, needs to be scrubbed and it needs to be tested before it can be injected into an interstate pipeline. When you sell it on an through an interstate pipeline, you're selling it on the open market. Hmm. Um, and you can get low carbon fuel credits from California if you're selling it on the open market. There are lots of opportunity financially to structure a project like this in a manner that it is financially successful. Um, there are great companies that are trying to do this more in the United States, but certain communities need to have a, a level of buy-in to make it worth them constructing a facility. So being in Europe, hugely um, eye-opening. A variety of facilities, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's certain types of facilities that fit certain communities. And really, really great technology producers that like to work in partnership to be there to support all through the process. We are, we are ready to do this in the U.S. whenever a community says, yes, we, we are committed. And is there a community in the U.S. right now that's actually doing this well? Great. Um, San Luis Obispo, California. Um, Hitachi Zosen is the company. They are based in Europe and now have a North American headquarters in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. They are, um, they are brilliant. There's, there's a number of companies that are setting up shop in the U.S. 
and in partnership with the local community, um, diverting their organics waste to these facilities and lessening the demand on a landfill, producing renewable energy and compost, both liquid and solid, that go back into the community farms and gardens. And how much land is actually needed for one of these? You know, a 10,000 ton per year facility, which is large, but it's kind of where the finances make sense for a um, technology producer to build. Mm -hmm. It takes about 10 acres. Um, And that is to have a good vegetative buffer around it. You're not occupying all that 10 acres. You're only occupying about 10% of it. Mm. But you need ingress, egress, um, drying facilities. So when the compost comes out, it still has a moisture content. content, Mm -hmm. And you need beds and making sure that that is bacteria-free. So one question I'll often get is, oh, what if you have all this unorganic waste that goes in, in the sense of, you know, it might have chemicals in it. It might um, have seeds in it. All of that is killed in the process. And then you have a last bit of process to make sure if you are putting it on your organic garden, you are not getting chemicals from an unorganic piece of food that was processed into compost for your garden. Well, that makes sense because that would be almost impossible today, right? We just, we are using so many forever chemicals and other bad uh, poisons on our food, which is always remarkable to me that we even do that. It's just is so illogical, right? And uh, I think so often, I mean, it's what you're doing is helping people understand more what is happening out there. We, if, if you don't know, you don't know. It's so true. we buy things in the grocery store, not knowing that it has chemicals in it that are not good for our health, but that is what is packaged and stable and has you know, ready to go. Mm-hmm. We live very um, quick satisfaction society. We need something fast. And, you know, an apple is fast, yes, but not always the most satisfying when you're really, really hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> and anything else that is possibly pro- partially processed and has a lot of chemicals in it that, you know, in the long run are definitely not going to aid our health. Right. It's so, like empty calories and empty nutrition, right? It just has that. We, we've we gotten into the U.S. of um, basically uh, providing our bodies kind of what we crave as as opposed to what it is that we actually need, which is why I think our health in the U.S. has really declined. There's such a connection here. Well, and we've also, you know, with more monoculture and just large-scale farming, we are in mm-hmm. farming is a business and they are truly trying to maximize yield over nutrition. Right. So when we do that, you know, the tomato that you get at the grocery store is not the tomato that grandma grew Mm-mm. and gave you a sandwich when you were a little kid. It's, it doesn't have, and honestly, it's what's really fun is to take those two tomatoes and analyze them in a lab and get vastly different results and mm. project to do with children actually. And I really like that fifth grade age yeah. where talk about anaerobic digestion, why that makes sense and infrastructure and a community and why we make certain decisions. And so we get into civics a little bit, Mm -hmm. but we also into gardening and nutrition and choices that we make. And why do we go to a farmer's market? Mm. Why eat seasonally? Why do we not eat anemic looking things that say that they're tomatoes in the grocery store? Yeah, it's just not worth it. If you're going to put something in your body, let's put something in that's 
giving you good nutrition and building your immune system. And um, they get it. Yeah. Fifth graders get it. So um, young, I mean, everyone gets it, but that's an yeah. age where bulb starts to go off. And it's a lot of fun to get their input and their mm. feedback on what they think we need to do in our community. Mm. I love that. And uh, so just going back to thinking about um, like how much land is needed uh, with the landfill, like how much land is needed for a landfill? Is it about comparable or more? 10 times the land easily. But also you are putting everything in that landfill, everything. Right, um, that's true. Many times significantly outside the bounds of what you're supposed to put in. So that landfill, you know, a landfill, what, why does it smell? It's, it's because organics material is breaking down. And if we were to remove the organics portion, it would attract the flies, rats, and birds, what we call vectors again. So if we can just remove that and let the landfill be the things that only need to be landfilled, we remove the recyclables as well. I mean, that creates a much right? safer community for everyone. Right. We need to keep all carbon out of the landfill because that produces methane gas, which is really what is creating a lot of the problems that we're having today with climate, from my understanding. And then you're right to keep the, you know, recyclable. We want to have like the circular economy. So we really want to keep things in the economy. We don't want to just take a raw resource, make something that we use for like 10 seconds when we drink a bottle of water out of a plastic container and then throw it away. And then it goes into a landfill. We don't even know how long that's going to take to break down. So it's just kind of, we definitely need to rethink all of the systems in which that we are um, producing and using. And then how do we keep them like, you know, being circular, which is really what, you know, composting is or anaerobic digestion because then we have all of these byproducts, like you said, liquid, which is nutrients, right? That could be, that I guess right. would be used on growing more plants or food or. Definitely. I mean, it is liquid compost. It's a very easy to land apply. Okay. And you then this, and then what? Sorry. You, you're able to spray it. Um, it's really, you know, where we found it to be incredibly helpful is Metro Public Works. Like you just have a public works department that has a tank on the back, hmm. just like the in water, as we see in the summer, they can spray this. They're not spraying crops like edible crops. This is all vegetative um, material that they are trying to keep alive in medians and in parks. And that's, it's a great use of it. So our Metro Public Works would no longer be purchasing, you know, fertilizer from any other source. It would be from the waste from our community. I mean, that's the perfect example of a closed economy and a circular economy. Right. Right. And then we have the soil, right? It's no longer, it's actually rich in nutrients again. It's not, it's no longer like this dead dirt or very low nutrient soil. And then we have gas that we then don't have to go and frack or put, you know, pull out of the ground and uh, as we do with petroleum, right? And that begins to, I mean, it just makes so much sense to do it this way. And we're having like, Instead of having to like have this huge amount of land that we put things into, we have this 10 acres that is, well, it like you just continue to use that. It's not something like, like the landfill gets full, like which is about to happen in Mental Tennessee, right? We're shipping like all of our 
trash down to, I think, Murfreesboro right now. And that landfill is about to be full. And then it's going to have to go even further, you know. So that's costing a huge amount in like, you know, who's driving the truck and the and the petrol for the truck or the fuel. And then, you know, I mean, there's just all these costs added in that we're really, again, not looking at. Like there just is, it's costing so much more, truly. And, you know, it is that pivot or that that moment which a landfill fills up and you have to start looking at added costs, that structure like a digester becomes part of the conversation. So this Monday night, Metro Public Works has a, a meeting. They have a, a, the waste meeting and it, it's constantly a topic. But, you know, these really work best when there's a public-private partnership. So the public is having the conversation is encouraging. The fact that private is here and waiting in the wings to pull the trigger, at which point it makes financial sense and the public is committed enough to truly participate. Um, you know, we're, we're on the edge of it. Um, we're, we've made huge progress in the 11 years. I used to be like I had three heads when I brought this topic up at a Metro meeting. And now I hear, tell me more, tell me more about work. So huge progress. Um, we will get there. It it takes a good decade for a community to change its habits, even when we do get there. It's typically commercial, industrial, institutional waste that has the buy-in first. Um, and we have plenty of it. We have over a million tons of organics waste in the greater Davidson County area, the metro area. And the facility we would end up constructing would only process 10,000 tons, or sorry, 100,000 tons of that waste. So one-tenth of what we estimate that we have produced right today. If we are able to build this facility in the next few years, the ability for the landfill that currently exists would have a significantly longer life. Once participation increases, to the 100,000 tons per year that facility can handle, which would need to in the first couple of years in order for that to make sense to build, we as a community will see a shift. If history and other communities and their process proves true, we will see a huge shift. It, it becomes available to households to divert your organics waste, restaurants, hospitals, schools, sports facilities, manufacturing facilities, the airport. It's so exciting when you see that shift and that's something to be proud of. Honestly, that's infrastructure to be proud of. We need to get behind building a digester for this community. Absolutely. It's just everybody wins as the individuals in the community. If they could really understand that, um, it's like we are, our health is being negatively affected by how we are set up currently. It may not be, well, and it really is everybody, right? I mean, you have the people that are living around it. We have the liquids going into the, you know, into the environment, which is not healthy. We have the off-gassing, which is, you know, climate change and uh, the the greenhouse gas, right? It's just keeping, like we have too much greenhouse gas and we're not able to draw enough down. 
and we we really need healthier, you know, uh, we need healthier farms, soil to grow more food. Um, there's just so many, I don't know, there's just a lot of, like, as you're talking, I can just see like, you know, how all of, like changing all of these systems really is going to be so valuable for well, everybody. About the, it, it's definitely, and it, you know, it's honestly, it's valuable for the landfill company that's operating the current landfill. They have more space for longer and has more control over the negative effects of their actions Hmm. with the organics waste producing vectors. They are seen as a cleaner business doing a real service for the community. Separate the organics waste to a digester that produces a great service for the community. It's the greatest for all, including business. This is not just about citizens' welfare. The yeah. business thrive as well. This is a win-win in all regards. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much. You've really shed a lot of light on this. And uh, I just have a much greater understanding of it. Uh, so thank you. I'm excited to uh, see what happens here in the city and, um, you know, and watching that actually come into fruition. I do believe that I think with the right knowledge, comes the responsibility. And I really think that there are really good people that, that are here that want to see that happen. Uh, you know, and I'm really glad that you have taken this on. Thank you so much. Ashley, thank you for highlighting anaerobic digestion as a solution for our community. Well, and thank you for bringing your expertise and helping us understand it in the way that you have. Really appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Sharing the show or an episode that really resonated with you, with friends or on social media, is always appreciated. For podcast updates, please subscribe at ecogal.tv forward slash subscribe. Graphic elements and logos, courtesy of Linda Cornelius. Audio editing by Danielle Mikesell. Our theme music was created by Taylor Pye. You can find us on Instagram, at EcoGal TV. We appreciate your support and we value your time and energy. So we hope you found this useful and of value. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon. And until then, stay curious.